We are in the middle of page Sadek Zayin. We're holding in Perech Ches, and we are discussing the concept of Yeshmiayin. Right, this is the traditional concept that we've been talking about um, from the beginning of Shari Yechud Muna that Hashem is creating the world through His letters of speech. Prior to Him bringing it out into speech, He had it in thought, but prior to that, it was total Ephes. So there's Ayin and Ephes. What's the matter, Shal? I'm going to tell you. It's very soon. Here we go. So where we left off yesterday was this idea that we brought a mushal of a Dover Gashmi, a physical thing that could be possibly in a person's head. And what we said is, clearly the physical thing is not in our heads, right? Clearly when I am thinking about a building, like let's say building a building, that was one of the examples that was brought yesterday, right? I have, I can imagine the entire building in my head. I imagine, right, uh, that I want four bedrooms and I want a kitchen like this and a bedroom like this and a dining room like this and a living room like this. And I can imagine everything in my mind. But that doesn't mean that I have even one board of wood in my mind, right? All I have in my mind is the ruchnis. Now, I want to tell you something that I did not discuss yesterday, and that is that here in this mimer, right, it appears to be saying, and it is saying, that we are going from ruchnis to gashmis. You should know that in Samach Vav, the Rebbe Rashab changes a little bit. And he says, really, that the Gashmias is also there. The Gashmias is also in the, so to speak, in Malchus of Atzilus. The Gashmias is also in the spirituality. The difference, however, and this is a very important point, is if it's already there, then how could you say it's Yesh Me'ayin, right? And the answer that the, that the Rebbe Rasha brings in Samach Vav, and then in subsequent Maimarim after the Samach Vav, is the idea that the only thing that's missing is the lie of the whole story, which is the concept of the yeshus. In other words, really when we're talking about yesh mi'ayin, what we're talking about is all of a sudden this concept of a yesh. A yesh means a self-independent existence. An existence that you do not need Hashem to constantly be bringing you into existence or that you feel yourself to be separate from being a perspective of Hashem himself. That is the aspect that's missing. So here, we're not saying that. I'm just giving you this as a parenthesis, right? Over here, what we're saying is that the Ruchnius was there, the Gashmius comes out afterwards. In Samach Vav, and in the subsequent Maimarim, the Rebbe Rashab says, even the Gashmius was there. Even the Gashmius was there. The only thing that was missing is the Yeshus of the Gashmias. The feeling of Yeshus. That feeling of Yeshus was not there. So what is being created Yeshmi? I am that feeling of Yeshus. But let's go back to our, that was, I'm going to shut the parentheses now, and let's go, let's go back to the concepts that we're dealing with here in this mind. Okay, mm. so let's go back to, we'll start with the, we'll start with the Nimshal. Come okay. We are about uh, 15 lines down. The first word in the line is Ruchni, and we'll start with Kamokain. So we said, just like we are saying, that you cannot say a rock is in a person's head if he thinks about a rock, or that a piece of wood is in the person's head if he's thinking about building a building, right? 
So similarly, we can understand how the worlds were totally included in their makor. That was only spiritually. The gashmias of the world was not included there at all. This is the difference between the Hishtalshus of Ilav Alba Yeshmiayin. Remember what we're saying. What we're saying is Ilav Alba is basically Newtonian physics. Everything has a cause and effect. If you look at anything, you could trace it back, you could trace it forwards. It's like a machine. There's a cause, there's effect. If you look at, and I haven't studied it so uh, in-depthly, so forgive me, uh, but those people that have spent more time studying it can you know, add a few words here. But Newtonian physics is based on the concept that everything starts with a point and we can assume what is going to happen based on that point. For example, presumably you learned physics in high school in 12th grade. You know that if you have a ball that weighs so much and the ball is thrown with a certain velocity, it's going to reach a certain point in a certain period of time. How do we judge how an airplane, for example, everyone could go and they go on their phones and they have this, you know, the app Flight Aware. I'm sure everyone's seen it before. And everyone is able to see, oh, you see this airplane is going from New York to Paris and this airplane is going from New York to Madrid and this airplane is going from New York to Tokyo and it's just taking off now. And they know exactly what time it's going to land. This is going to land seven hours later, and this is going to land eight hours later, and this is going to land 12 hours later, and this is going to land... And they tell you, and they know exactly the entire flight route of where they're going to go. They're going to wind up at 8 o'clock, they're going to be here, and at 10 o'clock, they're going to be here, and at 12 o'clock, they're going to be here. How could they do that? That is called Newtonian physics. That is called understanding weight, velocity, time, right? And through that, you could judge everything that's going on. Otherwise known as Ilva al Cause and effect. Cause and effect means cause and effect means that you could look at a scene and you could understand what came before the scene. You could understand what's going to come after the scene. That is ilva al. Everything in yeah, I think the way Yossi Paltiel says it is everything in nature, right, has its fingerprints or footmarks or whatever you want to call it. Like you could just see, you could see what's happening before, what's happening after. In 1925, I don't know if it was Einstein himself or there was a, his group of people, they invented or they figured out quantum physics. Quantum physics is a whole different story altogether. This is much more related to what we're talking about here. Quantum physics basically it means that things that appear to be solid, I mean, I'm not going to say what it means, quantum physics, because I'm not a physicist and I don't really understand it that well. But essentially, that the things that we think are solid are actually waves and particles and all these different things. And the concept of a quantum leap, right, i.e., that you could take something and all of a sudden something else could be born out from it that has, you cannot trace it back and forth. Yesh The idea of yesh all of a sudden becomes something that is where did it come from. How could it be? You can move from point one to point two without. In other words, what does the word quantum literally mean? If you go from here to Chicago, 
What you have to have is you have to have a, you're going to go, if you're taking a car, you, by definition, you have to go New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. Every piece can be broken up into smaller pieces. You, can, you want to measure it by miles, you want to measure it by kilometers, you want to measure it by half miles, you want to measure it by feet, you want to measure it by inches, you want to measure it by uh, millimeters, whatever you want to measure it by. You're taking a step by step by step by step. What is the concept of quantum? The concept of quantum is that you can go from here to Chicago without passing through all those steps. That's the concept of quantum. A quantum leap, as it's called. That makes no sense to most of our minds. How could I go from here to Chicago without passing through Pennsylvania? Like a what? Like a I don't know what a wormhole is. Just like a, like a path through time. To like yeah, right. Because in the quantum, in, in quantum physics, in quantum spheres, everything is basically, it, it, it's, you're jumping from one point to another point without having to go through all the other points. That's basically the idea. So what is Yeshmi Ayin? I'm not going to say Yeshmi Ayin is quantum physics. Let's not go that, that far, right? But Yeshmi Ayin is you have nothing, and now all of a sudden you have a something. Where did that something come from? Where did it come from? You can't trace it. If you go back to Parag Zion, what was our discussion there? Our discussion there is that everything has a source, and you could trace the source back. Okay, you could say it's a spiritual source, but it, there is something related, i.e. the sweetness of this apple, if you remember in Paragzion, is based on right, the spiritual sweetness that it's coming from. Is it coming more chesed? Is it coming more gvura? What is, what, right? In other words, you could trace it back. Here, what, that's the opposite of what we're saying. What we're saying here is that we're taking a jump that is a non-thing, all of a sudden becoming a yes thing. You following? That's the difference between Ilova Alaviyashmiyain. And what we're proposing, what the, the Rebbe is proposing here, is that is the nature of creation. Yeshmiyain. Being that the case, there are a few rules that have to take place. In order for the Yesh to constantly be brought into existence, it needs to have continual being brought into existence. That's what we're going to get to in a minute. If it needs. Comp- uh, constant being brought into existence, by definition, therefore, you need someone to be bringing it into existence. And if someone is bringing it into existence constantly, then he needs to be intimately involved in that bringing it into existence. So does it mean only the big things he brings into existence and the little things just sort of happen? No. It means the most minutest thing in existence, whether you're talking about the little inchworm that's walking around outside or you're talking about the planet Jupiter, needs an entity, a creator, that's being, bringing it into existence every single second. If, therefore, that entity, that creator, is bringing it into existence at every single second, can you say, by definition, that he is intimately involved in every single aspect of existence? The answer is obviously yes. And therefore, this is the whole basis of the concept of Hashkacha Pratis. If he's the one that's making it happen, whether you're talking about the inchworm or the planet Jupiter, or you and me, can't you say that he is intimately involved in every little step of the whole equation? The obvious answer is yes. You can't say it any other way. If you go back to the idea of what we were saying before, 
right? The idea of creating yesh miyesh or ilva'al. By definition, then you don't have to have a creator that's all you know intimately involved. All he has to do is set the spaceship into project into its trajectory, and we know that the spaceship is going to go to the moon or into orbit. Or you're going to send the United Airlines from JFK. You can take a computer and you can plug it in and it'll go to Tokyo. And you know it's going to land there at 12 hours and 22 minutes and 33 seconds. And you know it's going to go at this height. And you know at 10 hours where it's going to be, at 8 hours where it's going to be, at 6 hours it's going to be, at 5 hours it's going to be. That's Newtonian physics. Because you're plotting out every single step of the way. And once you set something into, traje- into a trajectory. By definition, it's just going to carry on. Once you're talking about quantum physics, once you're talking about a leap every single second, then you have to say something completely different. You don't know what could happen at any single second. So yes, by definition, when I throw a ball up into the air, I am assuming that it's going to come down in the next second. But according to Yeshmi Ayan, does it really have to come down every single second? The answer is no. If I put in, right, a, a apple seed into the ground, according to Newtonian physics, what's going to grow? An apple tree. According to Ashkacha Pratius, though, can that tree become a peach tree? It could be. Now Hashem has set it up in such a way that it appears to be that we are going according to nature. According to nature means that when I put in a a seed of an apple tree into the ground, an apple tree is what's going to grow. But really, does it have to be that way? The answer is no. It doesn't have to be that way. So who's making the seed in the first place? Hashem. Is Hashem constantly making the seed? The answer is yes. Is Hashem constantly making the ground? The answer is yes. So if you say that Hashem created the world and then went on vacation and is drinking Diet Cokes in some other galaxy, right? So then you'd have to say that apple seed, by definition, has to become an apple tree, no matter what. But if you're going to say that Hashem is intimately involved every single second could that tree become a peach tree? The answer is obviously, obviously yes. It doesn't have, it, it's most likely not going to be because this is the way that Hashem created nature, that he wants it to be like this. But really, equally, 50-50 chance, it could be a peach tree. Be'etzim. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Why this is so relevant? To, and obviously, this becomes so relevant to every one of our lives. Well, this is all the... The constant creation, not the Yishmayim. The constant, well, uh, it's hard to say that it's a Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov. I mean, the Oilam Hashem Devarach was written by David Melech in Tehillim, right? And also, it was a med- it's also a Medrash, right? The whole idea, right? But, but the, this idea, this uh, bringing, focusing in on this idea of Hashkacha Pratis and Yishmayim, yes, was, was very much was very much uh, brought out by the Baal Shem Tov and, and, and you know, was Al-Tarebbe's, uh, was very much pushing this idea. Now, so let's go back to what we're saying. 
So Kamilkain Yuvan Masha Ilum Sayuklulim Bemakorum Zehurak Ruchnius, Abal Gashmi Sailum Loya Kalub Klot, Bezeo Hilik Ben Hishtalshus Ilava Alabriya Yeshmiyan. But do, what I want what I want to get from this whole thing is that this book is not a theoretical philosophical book that we learn in the morning and in the evening. What I want you to try to bring home from this book is do you understand the the possibilities that each one of us has with regards to this, to understanding what's really happening here. And what's amazing is that science is coming around to this whole story. Really, science, if you look at, you know, it sounds a little bit new agey, you know, but really the whole idea of quantum physics is that is that everything can change at any single second. Right? This is, this is one of the major ideas, that everything is happening in the, in the quantum space, right, at the same time. So anything could really happen, right? Now, the New Agey people are, like, trying to use it to, like, you know, you can, you can go there and you can, whatever. I don't want to get into that whole story. But the point is, but the point is, is this is, this is what we're saying. What we're saying here is that, that Hashem is mamish creating every single second of the day, every single second of existence, every single thing that's happening. And therefore, anything could happen at any point in time. That's why Nisim, that's why Nisim are really, it, it, it's really, it, it is part of the whole game. It's part of the whole game. Right? And so therefore, even though we look at the world as being, you know, this is the way nature is. And then if something, you know, absolutely crazy happens, like that is just the most crazy thing, you know, like, uh, but really, Hashkahapratis is happening to us all day long, every single second. And it's just a matter of tuning into that that space and recognizing what's really happening and trying to you know trying to tap into it. So let's go back to what he says. So the whole idea of ilva al is that the al was already in the ila from the beginning. So the example that he gives is seichel midos. That we know. That if you're going to plug a certain piece of information into your mind, you're going to give birth to a certain emotion, right? That was the beginning of our whole mimer. We said, how could Hashem say, How could Hashem command us to love? That makes no sense. You can't command someone to have an emotion. Or even crazier, if you think about it, is like the the, Rebra, uh, the Rambam writes in, we just learned it in Hilcha's... Um, Malachim, whatever, that a person is not allowed to be afraid on a battlefield. Well, I've never been on a battlefield before, but you know, you can imagine how crazy that situation is and how scary that situation is. How could you possibly tell someone that they're not allowed to be afraid? What does that mean, you're not allowed to be afraid? You know, people are afraid to walk across the street. Here you're talking about going to a battlefield. It's by nature, it's a place that causes fear. Answer, what does the, the, the Rambam say? The Rambam says that you have to control your thoughts. That's how you control the fear. Because what you plug into your mind is going to come out of your emotions. If you're putting you know, this raw material into the machine, if you put dough into the, into the cookie maker, so you're going to get them out with you know, dough-shaped cookies, right? That's what it is. If it's like shaped like a circle, a square, a triangle, whatever. But that's what you're putting in. This is the machine that we have. 
This is called Ilva'alu. If I shoot a rocket down here, and I put this into the computer of this is the way it's going to go, and I put this much energy and this much fuel, I could shoot a rocket to the moon. Why? Because it's Ilva'alu. I know that if I put this and this and this and this and this and this coordinates and this and this and this and much of gasoline and this much of energy and whatever, then this is where we're going to go. I don't need the pilot anymore to be there, really, to send a airplane from here to Tokyo. The computer could do the whole thing, right? Because it's Ilva'alu. Yes, you with me? Because really, you have the seichel in the seichel itself. You have midos already. It's called midos shebeseichel. So as soon as you have programmed into your mind that this thing is good for me, so you're going to want it. Now this is very abstract in a certain way here. But this can be used very much to how to live life. If you stop for a second and you see your, your thoughts, and you see that your thoughts, most of our thoughts for most people, 99% of the people, are running from place to place all day long. Right? In the East, they call it a monkey brain. In Russia, they call it a horse brain. Right? They didn't have that many monkeys in Russia. Right? <coughs> But it's moving from point to 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 point point all day long. That is going to impact your emotions. That's going to impact not just your emotions, but it impacts your physical body. Why does it impact your physical body? That if I tell, God forbid, if I tell you that there's a, a lion around the corner, you're going, to, you're going to all of a sudden freeze up. If I tell you that there's a terrorist over there, your body freezes up. If I tell you that there's a million dollars in a check outside the door waiting for you, your body acts a different way. So the, the mind is influencing you completely. But why is the mind influencing you completely? Because inside the mind you have the midos, and the midos are also going to impact your physical body. That's why a person who's constantly living in fear begins to shut down. Right? That's like the whole thing that, 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 that all the science is coming out with now. Right? That people that are living under so much stress, right? It, the bodies are not made for that. Right? That's not what their bodies are made for. And therefore, the cortisol levels are way up and, and it causes all these problems. Da, 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 da. But this is all ilva'al. This is what... This is, this is all... In fact, what we see that inside the brain you have emotions already. So therefore, if I tell you, if I tell you that, look, I have this special uh, position that's available for you uh, to go on Merka Shluchas to uh, you know uh, to such and such a place in Hawaii. So you know that Hawaii, oh, Hawaii is a nice place. It sounds good. It sounds good for me. And all of a sudden, he gets excited. If I tell you, I have Merkaz Shluchas in downtown Tehran. It's, gonna, it's going to bring out a different feeling, a different emotion, and a different feeling in your body. 
But it's it's shluchas. Don't you want to go to Tehran? Right? Well, uh, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll forge it. You know, we'll, we'll get you an Israeli passport. That'll really work really well there. Right? You know? Right? In other words, why? All I'm saying is words. But those words have meaning. The meaning goes into your brain. Your brain filters it. It deciphers it. And it puts recognition on it. Now, if I told that to a three-year-old, the three-year-old wouldn't have any... You know, a three-year-old thinks. A three-year-old is able to talk, Baruch Hashem, already. three-year-old has information. But is not going to necessarily know the difference between Hawaii and, and, and Iran. Because he hasn't learned yet. When you're 20 years old and you know what's happening in the world, there's a big difference between going to the, uh, the island of Maui and going to Tehran. So that is already information that you have absorbed in your head, and now that's going to cause you to analyze it in a certain way, that information. And therefore, I know, even before I tell you the information, what type of emotion it's going to elicit. That's called ilva'al. And therefore, I know how it's going to be borne out. I know how you're going to react. I know what your facial uh, expression is going to be. I know how you're going to feel. I know you, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's ilva'al. Then it comes out from a concealed place to the gilui until it becomes a midah But you must say that that midah was already included in the seichel before it. Okay, so that's the idea. So now, this is very important information, by the way, as a total parenthesis on this mimer now. Knowing this information, you should try to use it for your advantage of what you're putting into your mind. And what you're putting into your mind is going to impact your emotions, it's going to impact your body, it's going to impact everything. Right? Because it's ilabal. You know how the how the, the machine works. So if you're constantly putting in your mind all these scary things and you're so afraid and you're so nervous and you're so... So you know that your body's going to react in a certain way. If you're putting all these positive things in to your mind and this idea of, right, tracht good, fit sign good, and, and the idea of, right, bitacho and everything like that, you're also going to react. But you're going to react in a very different way. Are you with me? Okay, weiter. Back, end of parentheses. Aval bria yesh in but the creation, nothing to something. You can't say that the yesh was really there in the first place. Now, I told you this before in the beginning of class. In Samach Vav, he changes the stance a little bit. In Samach Vav, he says that it was there. Like even the Gashmias was there. In the first mimer of Samach Vav, he says even the Gashmias was there. Because the Ain. Right, but the, the 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 this name of this sugya in Hasidus is Ein Kaya Chaser Poyel. Right, and by Hashem, there's no potentiality without actuality. So you have to say the Gashmis was there also. What was the what was lacking was just the experience of feeling oneself the lie, so to speak, of experiencing himself to be a separate, independent existence. That that idea 
was not there. And that's the Yesh Miyayim. But let's go back to our Mimer the way it is here. The way the Mimer is saying here is that it's completely Ruchnius, and now we're getting out Gashmius. What, we, what did you want to ask, Avram? Uh, are we saying, when you're saying Gashmius, are you talking about Pail? The Pail was there? How can there be Gashmius in this spiritual world? Okay, so this is a big question. You have to learn uh, learn the first mimer in some of all. Okay, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go through it right now. So he says like this: So therefore, even after the worlds were created, it has to say that forever, Hashem, your words are standing in the heavens. Right? Right? So what does it mean? And this is the, therefore, this is the conclusionary statement. This is where, where we're getting to with this whole story. Point one is the idea that it wasn't there. So if it wasn't there, now you have to make something. If you have to make something, so what has to happen? It has to be brought into existence, not just once, but it has to be constantly. And that phrase is called the payach is constantly in the nifal, right? Take a look at the words again. The power, the, the energy of making, of affecting, has to be constantly in the thing that it's affected upon. Now, the marshal that he brings, basically out of time, but I, have to, I just want to bring this marshal and then we'll start again from here tomorrow. We'll understand this through a marshal. When a person throws a stone up, what happens is that a, a certain amount of energy goes out from the hands of the person and it surrounds the rock. This kayach is this kayach surrounds the rock and it carries the rock up into the air. Now, we know this concept, right? When you're walking down the street and all of a sudden a baseball goes flying past your head, you don't say, wow, how interesting. There was a flying baseball here. You say, who threw the baseball, right? Obviously, we know that someone threw that baseball. That's what happened. So when you throw this rock up into the air, what happens is that uh, surrounding the rock you have a certain amount of energy that your arm put into or surrounded the rock with. And that is catapulting the rock up into the sky. And as soon as that energy starts to dissipate, it starts to disappear, it starts to go away, what's going to happen with this rock? It's just going to go back down into its normal state of being, which is to be sitting on the ground. That's its normal state of being. So if that's the case... If that's the case, then really, in order to make this rock continually go, what you need is a constant energy that is pushing against the nature of the rock and forcing it to go up into the air. Is that clear? That's the muscle for this idea. That yesh me ayin, its normal state of being is yesh or ayin. Right? So if its normal state of being is ayin, so what's causing it to be a yesh? It must be the energy is surrounding this object and bringing it into existence as a yesh. That's the idea. Okay, Mitzvah Hashem, we'll continue from here.
tomorrow.